something Christmas, you well. What's the name of that song? Good King Wenceslas was found. I don't know. I avoid trying to say the name of the song because it's something Good King Wenceslas las me sasolasa. <laughs> good King Wenceslas was something on us. It's a good song. It's always stuck in my head. It's been there for probably 11 years at this point. Uh, it's like a OCD thing. Tell me more about that song that's in your head. <laughs> wow, what a jazzy rendition. I, my whistling is becoming weaker. <laughs> I know. I need to wet my whistle. Okay, now it's your turn. Good King Wenceslas looked out on the feast of Stephen. When the snow lay round about, deep and crisp and even. Brightly shone the moon that night. No good. I'm throwing a chair at your head like the insurance guy in that movie <laughs> with that Miles guy that nobody like. That guy is the most insufferable. Which guy? I thought I knew what you were talking about, and then I didn't. The insurance man. Yeah. Uh, I call him uh, Hank Mardukas. Who is in that movie where that Miles oh, guy. Oh, the drumming thing. Which is a good movie, but that Miles guy. It's a great guy, movie. But that Miles man, not somebody I think you want to know. Yeah. When you're when you're trying to I I sided with insurance man in that movie. I said, yeah, did you? Yeah, I thought he just wants the best out of the students. Sure, he has some issues, but I couldn't really feel so bad for Miles man because Miles is a jerk. Miles Teller. What's his name? Insurance man. Yeah. His name is J.K. Simmons. Oh yeah, I call him Hank Mardukas because of the movie I Love You Man, where he he's he's the dad in that movie and he talks about how he has two best friends his one of his sons and Hank Mardukas and now he's just making a shitload of money selling insurance dum 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 exactly welcome to one topic where we stick to one topic my name is Autumn Fisher my name is Greg Ross sorry that we're delivering the show a little late this week there was a holiday, and I said, whatever, we'll put this thing out on Monday. People will listen, they won't listen. Some people may not even know that the show was released late, but for the six people who do like to listen as soon as it's released. Al Brown. I apologize. <laughs> yes, I apologize that the show was a little late. It, look, it's yeah. not that late. It'll still be released before midnight, so technically it's out on release day. Okay, that's a good way to think of it. Just at night, that's all. Yeah. Sorry, sometimes... Life, you know, you have and it's nothing serious this time. You have my deepest. You think people think it's serious? So you think all day some of those people were sitting around? Oh no! Oh yeah. no! What happened? My Something must have happened. My favorite podcast. I was thinking about doing my own podcast called. I actually didn't know why I was. I had a name that I forgot. I hate naming things, and now it's maybe slipped. that's the name of the podcast. Well, it slipped my mind. I hate naming. <laughs> Sometimes I think that we should have named our podcast something else. Yeah? Like asparagus sandwich. What? Because, why not? Because that's a, one topic, anything. Asparagus sandwich could conceivably, it sums it up. It's like, what? What is that? They talk about anything. It's one topic per episode. I mean, I think it would be interesting to name a, a podcast something odd like that. Uh, but, I don't know. 
not a fan. How do you think it's trying too hard? It feels a little like precious. Like we are going to name our show. So I know that you wouldn't, the content that you would create in a podcast called Asparagus Sandwich would not be anything but like full of your soul. <laughs> but it sounds like something that someone would do to be so like, we're going to be crazy. And we're like, we're against podcasting. We kind of do our own thing. It's still a podcast, but it's called Asparagus Sandwich. And we talk about, blah, 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 blah. you know what I mean? And the host would do that thing before every sentence, I think. Oh, yes. Well, like, you know, <laughs> are you editing people's podcasts and you're noticing that? I'm editing one podcast. My God, there's that. Yeah. There's the use of the word like. You know. Sometimes I wonder if I know that there's crutches. I know for a while. Anytime I would start to speak after you were done, I'd say, yeah, I'd start it with. Yeah. And I try to be mm. mindful of that. I'm sure there are other things. I just don't listen back to our shows. And if I took it seriously, maybe I would listen back so I could take notes and figure out the things I wanted to work on in that sense. You know, presentation is important. Content's important, but the way you present it is also important. Saying, um, sometimes is okay because that, it presents itself in natural speech, but the, the amount that people, when people actually do speak, if you listen back to most people speaking, there's a bunch of these things, fillers, yeah. crutches. If you read transcripts, you quite often see that people are saying nothing at all. It's just oh, a bunch yeah. of words. Oh yeah, transcribing is insanity. Like at just, just casual conversation, trying to transcribe something like that. It's wild. There's like so much fat around anything that would be considered a meat of a conversation. And doing a podcast, the presentation is moving away from that. You can speak as people speak and maybe they don't pick up on it, but if you refine it a bit, I think it goes a long way. So and I think something that, uh, so I always think of the, of the things that I do in a semi-professional, I mean, professionally, and I was going to call this a profession. It's not, I mean... I don't know what it is, but in the line of work that I'm in, I always think that it's nothing that special that anyone could potentially do this job. Um, not to say that my ability to do impressions or mimicking and stuff like that's a separate. I understand that that is something that might be a little bit more innate and then practiced, you know, but as far as just speaking and talking and thinking out loud, I feel like that's something that anyone can do. Until you try and do that with someone who does not, who is not in that field and you realize just how bad they are at expressing themselves or emoting anything within their voice or concise thinking. I don't know. Lots of it's it's shocking. It always reminds me like, oh, I actually might have like a talent a little bit. <laughs> It seems like a simple thing. A lot of people think I could do that. No big deal. Yeah. It's not as easy. Some people could do it. Maybe they have things to say. You have to refine it a bit. But other people don't realize that they actually have absolutely nothing to say. So doing a podcast, doing a radio show, it's not as easy as, as yeah. people like to think. But that comes with the territory. Anytime someone is actually good at something that seemingly on the surface is a simple thing. Like not a lot of work went into that. I could just sit right. there and ramble also, and I should get paid for that. You know, it takes a little bit more than that. Yeah. It's more detailed than that. You are a professional. You get paid to be on the radio. So you can call yourself a professional. This, we don't make money. So is it a hobby at that point? Yeah, I guess. But I feel like because there is a profession behind both of us that in that includes this genre genre then uh rip <laughs> that i feel like it's uh you know it's it's something that i i can't call it a profession but it feels more than a hobby we can say you're more, prof more professionals as i try to okay. talk about how we're professionals stumbling over the words but you can say that we're professionals doing okay. this just because we don't make money for it doesn't necessarily mean that it's not a professional product yeah. 
It feels weird saying that. It does. <laughs> because I feel as though there could be more time spent Well, I also it. felt weird saying like I, that, oh, I'm better at explaining things in a concise way, which is something I struggle with. <laughs> we could put more work into it. Yeah. And if there were money involved, we probably would. If it's like, hey, this has mm-hmm. become our job, then I would spend some time researching a bit more, forming maybe a little more focused thoughts. As it stands now, we kind of come on and just talk. Yeah, which I, I like, and I hope other people like. There were times that I would try to guide it, and I kind of gave up on that. Did you? I didn't give up. Sometimes I still make an attempt to do that. Yeah. Because it's going to have tangents that come into play. And I, I kind of want to get us from point A to point B somehow. I don't care how we get there. And then other times, yeah, and, and then there's some shows where I don't try that. And afterwards, I think, I don't know how good that was. Well, anytime that you are off on a tangent and then I try and steer us back, you're like, okay, but let me just, and you always want to finish your tangent. You can finish the tangents. No one's saying you can't finish the tangents. Yeah. Sometimes. No, it, just always, it always makes me laugh because when you get us back on track, I'm like, oh, yeah, back on track. But when I try and get you back on track, you're like, yeah, yeah, but also my still my point. Because <laughs> I'm more of a professional than you are. That's the bottom uh, line. Yes, yes, it's true. What I was going to say, well, going back to asparagus sandwich, I get what you're saying. And I probably would hate it if we actually decided to do that. Mm. I was thinking of another show. I can't remember what I was going to call it now, but it was just interviews. It didn't have to be famous people, but just doing interviews. And I know that this has been done before. This isn't some revolutionary idea. But the reason I bring it up is because I was listening to an interview show on public radio last night. And a guy was interviewing Christopher Lloyd. And the interviewer stunk. It was everything had to be about him. Like he he would talk to Christopher Lloyd and get an answer, but turn it back around and how it applied to him or how he related to things or fanboy of Back to the Future. And I don't, I don't, I think a lot of interviewers, if you're going to be a good interviewer, take yourself out of it. Stop talking about yourself. The, The person you're interviewing doesn't care. Really focus on them. And you have to know how to ask questions and get things out of the person. Get them to open up and spill their guts. Dun, 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 dun. Did you get that? Did you get that reference? No. What was that? That was the theme for Nickelodeon Guts. Oh, wow. The aggro. Did you get my genre thing earlier? Yeah, I said, Jeopardy I said rip. I didn't understand what rip was. Alex is dead. Oh. That's why I said rip. I got it. Rip? Yeah, he's dead. Rest in peace. No, but no one says rip. People say rip all the time. They do? Yes, rip. Is that our topic? It's not our topic. We'll get to our topic. Anyway, oh, I would see? be... Look, I would, this. Oh my God, this is an example of me getting us back on track. You're like, all right, we'll get there. But still, I got more to say. Maybe I was playing into that. Maybe I was working with you. Oh, you're right. I should trust you. All right, go. So here we are. Well, it's your topic. So you can introduce your topic. Right now? <laughs> you didn't want to finish your point? What was I going to say? Um, interviewing is a skill. I was going to maybe... No, I'm done. That's all. I was going to say something about Eric Von Hessler. Oh. His interviews kind of stink because he makes everything about himself. Yeah. He doesn't allow the person he's got on as a guest to actually speak. Well, everything is about himself. <laughs> and I'm not saying that as, you know, something that I... Well, I'm not saying it is like a huge negative. I'm just acknowledging it as a fact. It's not negative or positive. It's just true. You're just everything, stating the truth. Yes. That's all. Yes. That's everything is about himself. So he would make a bad interviewer because he really, yeah, he doesn't let anyone speak. And it is all about like whatever he was wanting to talk about. It's not really, he doesn't let the pr- other person sort of lead him to the next question. But I think that I would be bad at it too, because I think I could sit and talk with someone for a long time about something, but I think with someone that I never have met before and would be a celebrity, uh, it would be difficult because you feel like you kind of know them and then you want to ask certain questions, but then you'd, I feel like I would be really insecure, you know, and like, oh, they've probably answered this question. They've heard this before and they don't really want to talk to me. They just want to get this over with. They go back wherever they're from. I don't know. I would be disarming. Yeah, you would be great at it. I could get people to 
actually talk about things that were interesting, I think. Look, when I, I, think when, so too. I when I joined the radio show, I realize I think about this stuff. I do tend to make talk about myself, make things about myself, but I'm also a guest on that show and that's fine. It's not my right. job to come on and and open those floodgates and expand. I'm like, all right, I'm here. I'll, I'll offer things that fit that realm. Greg's here. Mm-hmm. What's going on in his head? But it bothers me sometimes. I don't want to always talk about myself. I'm sure it comes off. That guy's uh, just constantly talking about himself. They, I mean, people complain about it. Like, the, there are open mics. They're like, oh, Greg. You know, it's, but they don't understand that it's the way that you're set up as like a character. They're open mics, huh? Wow. You know that. They've played them for you. Wow. Open mics. Destroy my my ego before the show. My self-confidence. You know, this is not this is not news. That's Why are you acting like you've never heard them before? My self-confidence sucked out of the room. What is oh, our no. what is our topic? Salespeople. Sa- salespeople. <laughs> <laughs> this is the topic that you chose. You were so confident, <laughs> speaking of confidence in this topic previously. When you were texting yeah. about it, uh-huh. salespeople. I said, "Okay, cool. We'll go down that yeah. path." I felt like this was good for you too because I feel like you might have some pretty strong opinions about people in sales. <laughs> I have pretty strong opinions that always sum up to "I hate it." Yeah, <laughs> that's pretty much where this goes all the time. Salespeople. Uh, in- it depends. So there's a lot of different types of salespeople. There are. The salespeople in offices, you know, where they have quotas to meet and they have, you know, bonuses and, you know, top salespeople. I feel like those are some of the worst type of salespeople. 12% of jobs in this country are sales related, which maybe doesn't sound like a lot, 12%, but there are many, many types of jobs out there. Think about this. 12% of them sales Mm -hmm. related. And so it's a good number of people. It's also a skill. It's not something I've ever been particularly good at. Not that I've necessarily tried. But if you think about it, everyone is a salesperson in their own right, selling yourself. Sure. Mm-hmm. In everyday life, you sell yourself in many different ways. Looking for a job, you're selling yourself. It's sadly gotten to the point where if you're doing something creative, you've got to sell that yourself, which is a shame because how many creative people's ideas, thoughts, art, work aren't getting out there because they're not good salespeople. That's mm-hmm. why they're supposed to be other people. Who well, come because in. artists or people that are the talent usually don't have a lot of confidence in what they're doing. No, the you ones need the other, you need the salesperson to come in and like advocate for you. There should be a shame that comes into play when you're promoting yourself. It should be the default position. Yeah. Because if you're really confident about your work, then I don't trust your work. You can, yeah, or also you can be confident about it, but then you don't, you let it speak for itself. And the moment you have to speak mm. to it, about it, sell it to other people. That's why there's, there are creative people who maybe aren't the best. They're not awful, but they also, they don't care and they are good at selling themselves. And that's why their stuff gets out there. Yeah. But, you know, you meet someone in any context, not just a job, meeting someone at a restaurant, a bar, you know, new people, friends of friends. Mm-hmm. Everyone's trying to sell themselves as something. I'm worth knowing. I'm worth talking to. Look, here I am. Here are the things I have to present. Okay. Something I, I even in those situations, for the long, longest time, I would, I would not do it at all. I would go so yeah. far to the other side of selling myself that I don't know what anyone was getting out of talking to me. And maybe that's what I wanted to shut down conversations. Did you do that? I mean, what? Did you shut things down? Yeah, when they're... Like if someone was telling telling you about something they liked, you're like, I don't like that thing. I'm sure there was a period of that. There, But there's people... people. I don't know. I'm th- I was thinking of conversations. I wouldn't even have conversations when I worked in radio full-time and I was on the air at 99X. One of the questions that always comes up is, what do you do for a job? And I yeah. didn't. I didn't want to talk about it, but... There'd be times that it would come up and then I would quite often get the response, oh, I don't listen to radio. (laughs) I don't listen. People love that. You know why they say that? Because they need to shut, they're kind of impressed and it's a little threatening. And so they have to, they have to minimize 
the thing that they think is impressive. Yeah, it's not as cool that I guess it would compared to whatever they do. But then the way yeah. people drum up the things that they do, they embellish it. I, I don't. I'm, mm. not, I'm not. I don't. Not judging you on what you do for a living. It's the least important trade, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, like they're a cashier, but they call themselves like you know recreational food ambassador or something. <laughs> sure. I mean, if someone <laughs> went that far, I would give them some kind of credit. Like, yeah. oh, that's your cashier. Hmm. And somehow you've become a recreational food ambassador. Is that what you said? Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> what, would, what would that entail? What kind of cashier are they when they have the ability to call themselves a recreational food ambassador? Well, they handle, you know, large uh, volumes uh, of customers and large quantities of monetary uh, bills. But listen, but I can't write somebody's where's resume. Where's the food? Where's the recreation? That's later. Ensures the uh, quality. What kind of store are they working in? That's all I'm asking. A grocery store? Okay. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I'm just making it up. I just wanted you to explore it a little deeper. I wanted to understand. Yes. They're at a um, a uh, large edible product warehouse where customers uh, enter and leave through the front door, and that. But before they leave, they have to come through me, the food ambassador. What was it? I feel as though a Chuck E. Cheese cashier because it's recreation and it's food. And you're oh, an ambassador okay. for fun. Mm-hmm. Although I don't know if Chuck E. Cheese survived COVID. It probably didn't. I was on a mailing, like an email s- subscription thing for Chuck E. Cheese. And when, like in the middle of the of uh, quarantining, they sent an email saying that they deliver like hmm. pizzas. <laughs> that's, that's a shame, but they had to find a way to survive. Yeah. And said, so, look, you've got salespeople there. That's another sales type job is when you're writing up the emails that are blasted out to try to drum up business. And see, that's not the type of salesperson I'm thinking of. I'm thinking of the people that have to sell you a product, you know, whether it's in something like radio or if it's something like a furniture store or. But you were like at a, a furniture store. This is where it stemmed. from. Yes, I was at a furniture store today. And um, it was a local business. There were two people in the store. What type of furniture Um, were you looking for? A kitchen table. Okay. Uh, The kitchen table I have was purchased out of um, haste (laughs) and necessity. I I bought it out of a back of a warehouse. And it was cheap. And it's very cheap. I I, I got a table. uh, three chairs and a bench and the bench is gone. The bench is already broken and I'm down to one of the original chairs. Are you leaning back? I had to go to Ikea and buy two separate different chairs. Are you leaning back in the chair so it's on two legs putting a lot of pressure on No, I didn't do that but my neighbor did and he broke one. (laughs) Yeah, those things (laughs) do tend to break. Yeah, but anyway, so I, I, you know, I have a little bit of You hear them cracking? Yeah. Huh? You could hear those things cracking. Yeah, crack. I mean, this TV stand that I have, I bought on Overstock.com, and I went back and looked at the receipt, and I did pay $315 for it, which I guess is, it's, by TV stand, it's more than that. It's a cabinet. It's not just a stand. Okay. And I, I, $315, I know, for furniture actually is cheap furniture. Mm-hmm. But I didn't expect it to be this cheap. It's held together with screws that weren't supposed to be there. And I, if I went and pushed it with my foot the whole thing would collapse (laughs) right now it would collapse it probably would collapse and you know one of the things that i've avoided there's a there's a used furniture store in queens that i really like uh because i went with someone i was dating at one point to buy something and i i really liked the selection there but i didn't like dealing with the people and there was a haggling thing at the end but they would follow you around the store and ask you what you wanted and show you and then that was something that i did not want to deal with See, but that has to work for some people, right? Like there are some customers where that is the key to their lock. If you ask, yes. And maybe some people don't ask. I have always felt as though there may be time 
when I want your input. You mm-hmm. know this stuff. I have questions. I'll find you. I will come to you. I will find you and talk to you when I need you. Yeah. I don't need you to follow me around like a puppy. Yeah. What are you looking for today? Oh, okay. Dining room. Yeah. Well, let me go through all the products with you. Like, no, leave me alone. I want to, I want to wander and ponder. (laughs) And then when I need you, I'll come get you. Since they do work on commission quite often. And in the store you went to, I would assume is new furniture. Yes. I would assume also that they're on commission a bit. I mean, I'm sure whatever they're making, but yeah, I'm sure they get a commission from the sale. I wonder if you told them, Hey, when I have questions or if I want to buy something, I'll come find you. If one of your friends comes up, I'll say, no, I'm working with you. Well, that's the thing. So there were only two people in the store. I liked that. I think because it was like a mom and pop kind of place that it was run a little bit differently. So he was this kind of rednecky looking guy. He had tattoos everywhere, like on his neck, on his forearms of his like kids names and like, you know, whatever. So he just had a look about him. A little overweight, really nice, introduced himself, let us, like, let me know, like, hey, my name's whatever, you know, if you need anything, let me know, I'll be over here. Cool, thank you. And I just looked around with Ellie, we, you know, looked at everything, I found something I liked, and I was like, Wayne? You know, (laughs) he was like, yeah, hey. He was really, like, chill. He he was was not pushy. So if he was the owner, do you think he was the owner? I don't think he was the owner because then when we were leaving, I saw him get into his very crappy, like weird old car that looked like, I don't know, like a Mustang or something, but it was really shitty looking like the kind of car that would have like that Eagle on the, on the, uh, the fire, the car, the firebird. Yeah. Firebird. Maybe it was like, like it didn't run very well. It was rusty. He just loved the car. Sure. Yeah, so, maybe that's why he stays rich is because he keeps an old guy so it sounds take care of his body. <laughs> it sounds like he left you alone, though. So you were there. He He's did. a salesperson. He left you alone. He did. And then when I needed his help, he came over and helped me and then left, you know? And then we came back later in the day because I went to pick up Pete after school. And I was like, hey, you want to see that the table I'm thinking about getting? And I thought he would enjoy the store, you know, because it's a big furniture stuff. So we went over there again. And then, um, you know, they recognized us. And he was happy to meet my son and he was really friendly. And I got, I was like, I talked to him about the price. He told me how much everything would be with delivery and assembly and all this stuff. And it was too much. And I was like, yeah, I really don't want to spend over this much. And he was like, hmm. He didn't really say anything. I was just standing there with my arms folded and just looking at it, thinking. And he left. He was like, hold on, let me get my calculator. And he came back and then he like, and he got it down. Like over 150 less. You have to tip. Don't forget Who? the tip. If they, oh, the, if, d- if the they, drivers? If they the deliver delivery? it, they bring it in, they assembly, got a tip. Oh, okay. How much, what do I give them? I don't know. I don't know the rules to this. There's always tipping though. 20 involved. bucks? If they build the thing, then you have to give yeah. them more than that. Yeah. But you also, like, you enjoy building things yourself, so maybe don't have them build it. <sighs> I know, but I'm afraid. Oh, I could. Have, mm, all right. Maybe I'll just have them deliver it. I, I think also, it's like 50 bucks for them to deliver yeah, versus see, when, 99 to deliver and assemble. See, when there's a delivery fee also and an assembly fee, then I feel like the tipping shouldn't come into play. Hmm. That's the thing. That anyway, was, the point is, is that he was a very like I didn't appreciate how he looked. I didn't hold that against him, but I was like, this is odd, you know, uh, for him to be like the face, the person that's going to like sell you that you have to trust when he just looks a certain way. Like he didn't seem like someone who took care, very good care of himself. Um, but he was really nice, really professional, very sweet to the kids, uh, and gave me a discount and left me alone. So he sounds like he was a good salesman. He was a great salesman. Even though you didn't like his look. No, but that's what I'm saying. It was just interesting for him. So he, I feel like he is someone in the sales field that I would not typically assume was in the sales field when there are a lot of salespeople that don't believe in the product or whatever they're trying to sell um and like for example today i was looking at a table and i was like you know what i kind of like this one better it was a little more money and he was like listen as a salesperson as a sales guy i want you to get this table 
But as a human to human, you have kids and this table has these grooves in it and the kids are going to do their homework on the table and their pencil's going to go through it and food's going to get stuck in there and you're going to hate it. I was like, yeah, he that's dis- true. He disarmed you though. See, this is where if you're too cynical and like, was he doing that because he was trying to side with me so then I would trust him a little more even though it was manufactured and buy something at, at all? Because maybe he was scared I would leave. But then if he presents himself as a trustworthy man, I... But I wasn't giving him signs that I was leaving. I was an interested customer. I mean, overall, it sounds like it was a good salesperson because he left you alone until you needed the help. And then he helped you and got the deal closed. And everyone was happy at the end of the day. And But it's weird, those people that, like you said, follow you around... I even if I am if I want to be in the store and I'm interested in the store, if someone is like too helpful, I I'm out. Leave me alone. I don't know what the motivation behind that is. There are overzealous salespeople, and I would assume that most people want to be left alone a bit. Leave me alone because you feel pressure and you can't even look at things the way you want to look at things. When I just went to buy this car, yeah, the guy I bought it from owns a dealership in Connecticut. But the thing was, it's not really a dealership. It's not a lot. He's a dealer because he sells cars. But it, you don't go with a lot in the flags and the balloons and the dancing airman. You know, the blower is making his long. <laughs> that French fry guy? Yeah. The cylinder body flop all over yeah. the place. It's not like that. He was a man. What who, are those called? Is there a word for that? <laughs> he, was, he was a man who owned a warehouse. He has a warehouse in, a, in like a commercial industrial park in the suburbs and all the cars mm-hmm. are in there. And I really felt as though he was a trustworthy guy. He seemed to only want to sell good cars. He really felt as though when I test drove the car, it was a stick shift. He said, do you know how to drive a stick shift? I said, it's been a while. He's like, well, it's not an answer you want to give. I said, I, I don't remember how to do it. And he's like, you'd be surprised the number of people who come in who don't know how to drive a stick shift and try to buy a stick shift. I said, it'll be fine. But I felt as though if I test drove it and didn't drive it well, he wouldn't have sold it to me. It was this kind of guy. Right. So yeah. it's not like He even, was going to help you. He was going to take care of you in lots of different ways. Well, it was a guy that didn't feel like he was trying to play a game. He wasn't overbearing. But the fact he was just standing there when I was looking at the car and I was like trying, yeah. I wanted to look at like all ass. I, I felt pressure and I didn't look at it as closely as I should have. Because totally. He was, he was just standing there. They should there. leave you alone with the product so that you can inspect it in the weird way that you want. Yeah. So. Having a person over your shoulder, I don't know who that works on. Some people may feel the pressure so much that they give in and they buy the product. Oh, yeah, maybe that. Or maybe if they if the salesperson left, they'd be like, well, that guy just abandoned me here. Possibly. You know, I, or like if a salesperson isn't pushy, they're like, well, I guess they don't want my money because they're not even here to help me. Some people do act like that. And I'm not saying that if you're going into a store, you should be completely left alone. You should be acknowledged and just, yeah, I think it's, it's, it's an important skill for the salesperson to be able to read a person because when I was a waitress, I was, I feel like, I mean, maybe I wasn't, maybe I didn't always hit the, you know, the mark, but I felt like I was good at reading the table. Like, are you the type of table who wants me to dance and like, you're having a party and we're going to have a party and I'm going to help you have a party. Or are you the type of table where I secretly refill your waters? You didn't even know. It feels that like, oh, like I dropped the check without them even asking because I just know they're ready and they don't even have to ask. Like all of a sudden the, t- the check's there. It's interesting you say that because thinking about me being in a situation where I was selling something, I probably could be a good salesperson. I think you could too. My approach would be, I don't know, give it to you straight. No bullshit here. But I wouldn't even present it that way. I could do Mm-mm. it subtly. When I, we were talking earlier, I'm not a good salesperson myself. It just feels gross to sell yourself. Here's how great I am. Here's why I'm wonderful. I don't like doing that. But Mm-mm. I guess if I were selling a product, I could be good at it. I don't want to. You'd have to believe in it, though. I don't want to, though, because I, then the whole pursuit is I just want your money. And here's a product. I, believing in it, it yeah, is Yeah, but no, what? no, no. Because if you believed in the product, then you would truly be feel you would truly feel like you were helping the people and that making money from it was just a separate thing. Possibly. If it's something that someone really needed, but how many things do people need? This is, well, it's not necessarily a need thing. It could just be like, let's say you worked at Mac, like at the mall, the makeup place, and you really believed in the products you were selling. People walked into the store. You didn't like get them from the mall and tell them to come in. Not like those assholes on the, in the islands in the middle of the aisle were like, 
Eb, you know, come here. You need lotion on your hands. Smell this lotion. <laughs> Get out of here. Those people are pushy. But overall, overall, all these things are things that aren't needed. Most things that are sold, part of the sales job is to convince a person that they need it. Their life is going to be better with it. And that's the hard part for me because that's the lie. That's the, no, look, you don't need this. Okay, that's a different thing. You don't need the curtains. You don't need the new hand mixer. But you people don't. walked in looking for something specific. Okay, so that's the difference. That's the difference. If you're talking about like working at a sales company where you, you have to pretend that this product is something that people actually need when you know that they don't and you have to try and get people to buy something that they're not actually really interested in, but then you trick them into thinking they actually need it. That's a whole different thing. But if you work at a store or if you work for a product that people seek out, come to you, and then you make money off of, you know, selling them something, but you actually believe in what it is, then I think that you would be really great at that because you'd be like, no, you don't need this. This thing, it says this. It's not really that. This is the thing. There's a It's code. a little cheaper. This one's more expensive. It says it's better, but it's actually not. This cheaper one is and then they're like, oh shit, he's selling me the cheaper thing. Yeah, it's all consumerism though. And I, that's hard for me to be involved in on that level. I wouldn't want to do it. So maybe I could be good at it. Two separate things. I don't really I was sales associate at Pac Sun, Pacific Sunwear. Uh, and I used a sales to get associate. I used to get uh reprimanded because I wasn't approaching the customers enough trying to help them they're looking for a shirt you know what would go great with that shirt these etni shoes i don't i'm not doing any of that i don't one i don't know fashion that well god knows if you look at the pictures of me from those <laughs> those days so i don't even feel confident in putting together an outfit for someone and i don't want to do that someone they people know what they want and Maybe I'm sure that if you push people or you recommend things, maybe they would buy things. But honestly, I don't have much interest in helping you make more money. And that's why I said, let me stock or let me work the register. Yeah. Did you make money off of sales? No, no commission at all. So well, that's the, what, what kind of point, like what kind of motivation was that for you? Exactly. Yeah. They're paying me $5 an hour. It was five. I think if I were you, I'd be like, the, listen, the most I can do is tell them something's on sale. Shoes are on sale. <laughs> I'll be over here. I just, I, but I can see how some people, again, there's a code, I think, with salespeople. In this, in this kind of, you can, there's some people who manipulate and other people who persuade. And there is a difference. Oh, I do hey. think there are some psychos who get into it because they love manipulating people and it's a way for them to put those skills to test and persuasion. And you can smell those salesmen. Don't you think I, they give me a feeling, even if they're not, I'm not like, I'm thinking of radio. I feel like I've met plenty of salespeople who just like feel well, that's a whole, yes. And that's a whole different nasty. thing. The moment you get into sales and so we're out of retail sales now and going into yeah. commercial advertising sales, commercial radio, <laughs> you're selling a product that's not tangible. It's hard. It, it's a tougher thing to sell. Mm hmm. Especially when, if you're working for a station where the ratings stink and the content's no good, <laughs> and at that at that point you are manipulating people in some way because you can't honestly believe them spending their money on that station is good for their business. It's going to benefit their company. And there are people, as, as businesses like that overall, I assume any kind of sales associated with media draws a different type of person too, a person who wants to be close to the action. There's a, there's a level of not notoriety, but, uh, like prestige because no, because it's public facing and there's people around who, mm. you know, the radio show, for example, people know all of you on the show and then there's people who sell that show. And I'm sure that some of those people talk about how they sell that show. And I, I, right. I see Eric around the halls. I talk to him all the time. Right. And I think that's a lore. And, there's and then also, you know what someone tells them? I don't listen to radio. There's, yes. And then, oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> there was a sales guy in radio once when I worked at 99X. He came into the studio. And from the studio, you could see this tall tower of condos. He said, you see that tower there? I said, yeah. He's like, I live at the top. It's like, okay, great, cool. But it meant something to him. Yeah. There's also the ability to make money because on a 
well, I don't know how it works anymore, but it, it, you know, the heyday of these mediums, there was a lot of money to be had. And if you're working on commission and you're selling a lot of advertising, you're going to make a lot of money. And so yeah. I think that also, you know, it's a chicken or the egg. Does the, the person who wants a lot of money, are they already an asshole or does the money make them an asshole? I don't know. Probably a mix of the two. Yeah, I'm sure it's a mix, but it feels like the first one. But there surely are some sleazeballs. And <laughs> yes, you can. But they could be in any industry. You can sniff them out. Selling. Yeah. They could sell, you know, sell ice, you know, popsicle to an Eskimo. Like those assholes. Well, I, and. It's like, don't trick Eskimos into buying popsicles. How about you just believe in what you're doing and think that it's a better idea for everyone because you'll make money and then they'll also hopefully make money instead of being a sleaze bag. The job probably does lure people like that out. Not not everyone obviously who works in sales is a bad person, but No. If you're getting into it and you get off on manipulating people, then I'm sure that there that's why you see quite a few people like that, those kind of personalities in sales. Which is a shame, but also like you said, it, it usually does seem pretty obvious. So these people's egos are growing because they fooled someone who was dumb. They're going, good, good for you. I applaud. Yeah, well, like the guy telling you that he lives at the top of the tower or whatever. <laughs> he. <laughs> I just, okay. I mean, first of all, that's the, the pri- that, if that's a priority for you or if that has some meaning, uh, is that, if, if that's like, if you're assigning that to like your personality that you live on top of a build, like who gives a shit. And then also you should be able to read this person. Do you know, are you selling for the station? Do you know Greg Russ? Do you think that he's interested in where you live? Do you think that he's impressed? You're supposed to know the DJs. Are you selling? Are you trying to say that like, you know, this person and you're selling the station? Well, that's part of the problem. If you want to talk about radio sales is they should be selling the people on the air, but quite often they're not. They're just taking the easiest path, the path yeah. of least resistance. This is the way it's I know done. it. <laughs> I didn't know if you wanted to go there or not. I sure do. It is <laughs> It is kind of a shame. It's a highly rated show. It shouldn't be that difficult to, to sell the people Mm-mm. on the show. But, uh, you know, the money, it's, it's, it's tough right now. COVID and we can't, ah. we can't schmooze our clients by taking them out for meals and drinks. So let's just do the, the things that keep the money flowing. <laughs> I mean, that was, okay. that, yeah. that, that's There's a whole a, thing with sales, too. The fact that it's just understood. I'm going to take out the client and I'm going to spend $1,000 on a steak dinner. And that's just the way this is going to work. I would hate that. I would hate that as a salesperson. Like, oh, I got to go to dinner with these people. I have to pretend all this stuff. I have to, like, pretend that I'm interested in, like, their daughter's softball They're team or something. They're spending money with you. A lot of money. I I would just be like, I just want to go home. You have to show them that you care. Think about the traveling They get off there. on it, maybe. You're right. Maybe they love it. I think some people do like that. And, especially and then a, it, it translates into their real life. You have an expense like, account? I gotta sell this guy and how cool I am. I live on top of the tower. <laughs> you have an expense account? You get to go out and spend the company's money? Uh, I I do think a lot of people enjoy the aspects of it. Some people do just like that dynamic in general, and it's hard for me to mm-hmm. understand. So I, I don't. It's it, again, it's a thing I don't. I never had any interest in partaking in. I mean, don't get me wrong. I want a company credit card. Well, I mean, <laughs> I always I I always felt as though sales was the enemy, and it shouldn't have been that way. But mm. in radio, sales felt as though they were quite often trying to dictate the content. Radio stations used to run by the structure usually as a general manager oversees everything, all operations, all content, sales, everything that happens in a station. And usually that was a person who came from programming. And at some point that changed and the general managers started to be salespeople and they had no creative vision. They no, knew- they just kind of like fell into the job, right? A lot of times. I mean, I don't say they fell into, they earned it, but it's just the, the importance and the outlook and how to get money for the station, the best way to do that changed. And the, to me, it's a pretty simple structure. Have good content, have good programming. Ratings are there, you sell. Not that difficult, right? It shouldn't be so hard, no. but, but it, it changed. It's like, okay, well, salespeople are running it now and 
the content is coming second. We're going to maybe dictate the content a little bit or this, this, this Right, like I can only sell to this this company or this, I can only sell it if the product maintains this certain thing that's outside of what the product actually is. The clients, or maybe it's inside what the product actually is. Yeah, and the clients at, at times would have some say the content. I mean, yeah, that Decker's was, too weird. I don't want him selling my chicken wings. <laughs> well, that's different. If you don't want me to do an endorsement, <laughs> then don't have me do an endorsement. If you're getting ratings and some advertisers want to pull out, hopefully the demand is there. More people want to be on the show because you've got a good reach. Yeah. And that's fine. This has always been the case with commercial content of any sort, though. Even, you know, public underwritten radio and TV where it's not direct uh-huh. advertising. It's like the, the people who are spending the money that we underwrote the show presented by quite often. I don't know if you'd see that on PBS. They, sure. They yeah. still have say. But a good salesperson, I would think, believes you want them to believe in the product that they're selling. They're selling the, the content on the air, the programming. And there are ways around that. Put in a little more work. Go find new clients. Find someone who wants to be there. Someone who believes in what's on the air. Mm-hmm. I don't think that I could do a job like that. I think I could work more as a, like in a retail situation. Not like at PacSun. <laughs> but like I said, like at a, at a, at a specific store, like a makeup thing, like if that's what I was really into or if I was just into, if I was, if I really believed in the product that I was selling um, and the people sought it out, I didn't have to go seek them. I think that I could do a great job. I think you could too. You're personable. Yeah. I would definitely not try and sell them some bullshit, more expensive thing just so I could get the commission. If I hated the person, like if they were shitty, I'd be like, yeah, I'm going to sell the shit out of garbage to them as long as it's expensive they'll like it and I'll get a bunch of money from them. But if I, you know, if they were like, I would never try and like take advantage of like the, the normal person. I think about people. I, I mentioned this, but then we still, where work. other people, I'm sorry, where other people would see that normal person is like prey, like a oh, sucker. <laughs> well, this kind of leads into think of when there were traveling salesmen who would mm-hmm. like cold calls. That's what they're doing. They're just knocking on people's doors. God. The level of rejection you face doing that job would crush most people. God, and you're just like schlepping something around like a vacuum cleaner or something. But there's something about just showing up when a person didn't even come to you and getting them to buy something, I think that some people get off to. They yeah. do feel as though, yeah, I really did it. You know, it's <laughs> the same thing. Telemarketers, I have no clue how that ever worked. The, the, I'm sure too that they knew it was just sheer numbers. Like most people, yeah, it's just a wide net. Yeah, if you get two percent of the people, it's worth it somehow. And the people who do that, some people just do that. It's a job, and okay. And I don't think they lasted very long, and they hated it. Like, fuck this, I'm out of here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, my cousin, uh, what worked at like a a cold calling sales thing once, and he was really good at it. And he hated it because he felt really bad. (laughs) So he left really quickly. Yeah, because that is invading someone's life. Yeah. Their existence. Like, here's this thing. You want to buy this thing? Where did you come from? (laughs) Where, who are you? And it, it, you know, the traveling salesman's gone now. And the way sales just in general, even retail sales or stores, people are going in less and less because of all the stuff that's happening online. So now uh, you're not dealing with salespeople. Sometimes they have those chat with me. I'm here. It's just a bot for a bit. Until bot, you yeah. To work your way to, to get to an actual person. But I'm surprised that there's not more chat boxes that pop up and people just start spamming you with, hey, I'm here. Hey, talk to me. What are you looking at? I see what you're looking at. They know what pages you're clicking on. How creepy would that be? I see you spent, they know that you spent three and a half minutes looking at this table online and you only spent two and a half minutes on this one. Uh, Let me tell you on the one that you only spent two and a half minutes. Oh, I'm assuming that I'm going to get a ton of weird targeted ads on like Instagram or Facebook. Oh, you will get that. And that's algorithms too. It is surprising to me that we don't have more people just 
when you're on the site, you chose to go to the site. This is someone who works at that site and they pop up and they try to push you in one direction. The way things have shifted, though, there's still tricks that are thrown out there, this manipulation. And again, I, you know, a bad salesperson will manipulate you. And I do think there's people who try not to manipulate, but it's a little less morally gray, I guess, when you're just seeing text on websites that say things, you know, like two seats left, say you're booking a yeah. flight or five left in stock. I don't believe that I for don't a either. second. Only two left in stock and it's on sale. But there is a there is something people when they see that, they go, oh, my God, I got to get this because. Something- Ooh, or do you ever see the one where like the time is going? Where, like this product is only available for this amount of time. Yes, you've got the the time. And you remember that used that used to be on commercials, like call in the next five seconds and you'll get fifteen percent off. Yeah, tele or the uh, what were they called? The extended commercials. I can't remember what they're called now. Oh, oh, um, yep, <laughs> they're called um, infomercials. Um, infomercials. Yeah, those things. You got to call within the time span of the infomercial itself. Yeah, and you'll get a third sandwich pocket maker. But that, I mean, a lot, of the, a lot of these websites, it's like, yes, 13 hours left. Here's a promo code. Don't use this. Don't miss out. And then in, if you come back in two days, there's a new one. <gasps> oh, Greg, the jewels, the, the selling of the jewels on the jewelry channel. The Gem Shopping Network. Yes. And how they act, how like they say like, okay, here's this very expensive, very beautiful piece of jewelry. It's this and that. Here's all the stats. It's 15000 you know, $15,000. This ring is whatever. What? Jim, what? What do you say? No, that can't be right. No. Jim, are you sure? Did you check with the bosses? Did you check with them? <laughs> bosses aren't going to like this. $79.99 for the next five minutes. This is on sale for $15,000 down to $79.99. And I guess that works on some people. Only 15 minutes for this sale. The bosses are going to have a shit fit. I guess they don't say shit fit. That tactic. <laughs> that tactic is, yeah, it's been around. You lean into it. Oh, God, this is the deal that I can't pass up. I have to act now. It was 15000 Now it's only 80 bucks. Well, that's the funny thing with the gem shopping. It's just, here's a gem, $80,000, but we're going to, we're gonna, let's open it to auction. We're going to open it to auction oh. right now. And then people apparently are calling we'll in. We'll start, we'll start it. Like, he's like, I think, don't they say like, we'll start at a really high number. And then it, they're like, ah, oh, you know, they, I think they tell them like, go lower, 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 lower. Yeah, the fake person, the the supervisor off the screen who, mm-hmm. oh, I, I, I can't believe I'm going to do this. I can't believe it. I'm going to, okay, fine. If you insist, let's open the auction at $100. Ugh, you guys, $100 for this is a crime. <laughs> but these, you know, that's an extreme example because I, I just don't, I know home shopping and QVC were pretty big in the day. That, that spawned a whole different kind of beast you had a tv personality who also was a salesperson lisa renna and, and she sold those dusters she made millions ron pompey i love that was the set it and forget it rotisserie chicken ron popeel oh yeah that's it not not the volcano not pompey <laughs> popeel ron propeel right <laughs> said it and yeah, po- forget it po- and also spray this hairspray spray this you know Spray paint on your bald head. And I think I would watch his stuff. Loved him. He had a weird monster face, kind of. There is a Ron Pompey, but this is a uh, American designer. <laughs> po- okay. Popeil. I, I thought he was great, this Pom- this Popeil. Yeah. Right. What was oh, and name? now was it's that name? lady. I, Ron Popeil said it and forget it. You can talk about the lady. The lady, the the lady with the 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 red hair that's like all poofed out, and she has the long nails, and she sells like the the copper pans and the like the dump cakes. Oh yeah, yeah, love her. There was one night I was stoned and I watched one of those copper pan infomercials. Mm-hmm. I was in a. They burnt cheese on it, slid right off. I was in a hotel room in suburban Boston. 
at a sad Comic Con, and, and I it just the whatever the everything came together, and I thought of people sitting up at night watching that and actually buying it, and what kind of life they had, filling a hole with making a purchase. This is this is a lot of the times what salespeople, at least the the bad ones, will lean into. It's like you're pathetic, but this this thing will give you a little burst of dopamine by buying something. Mm-hmm. It's not going to actually do anything in two weeks. It'll be thrown in a drawer in the back of the closet, or you won't even remember that you have it. But hey, you're pathetic. Or you'll find out pretty quick that it is not as nonstick as you thought. <laughs> yeah, I assume that too. That was the yeah. problem with the made for TV stuff. It's it never was as good as mm. it was presented as, which was strange to me. It's like, why did just be honest about it? Like the man who has the spray that fills cracks and he that, oh. makes the screen door boat by. by yeah, uh, that guy. The fake, like the poor man's Billy Mays. Yeah. Rip. <laughs> See, I got to use rip twice, Billy Mays. Yeah. He was another one, though. That you can't, he died of a quote concussion from turbulence i mean that goes to show that if you're personable Poke. if you're personable and you're a character of some sort and likable that you can be very good at this and, and that that's not some great insight it makes perfect sense it was just they th- think we're losing a lot of those people there's just not a place for them to live anymore the slap chop guy remember the slap chop guy yeah Didn't he like molest someone or something <sighs> i don't know what, what happened to him he Something did, happened to him. Why did he disappear? That is I think he molested. <laughs> I think he sexually assaulted someone. Vince Offer. Shamwell guy, slap chop guy. Hi, it's Vince with slap chop. Why did the slap chop guy go to jail? Well, well no, I'll answer. You can slap your troubles away with the slap chop. He said it happened after a 12-hour drinking binge. According to the police report, the woman bit his tongue and wouldn't let go. He struck her with his fists. Oh, shit. So it was uh, aggravated battery. Oh. She bit, bit his, his tongue. tongue. I mean, if someone bit my tongue, I don't know what I would do. But that was the end of now, him. Do you remember Real World London where that rock and roll guy made out with a, he was like singing at a show and he leaned down and like kissed a dude and then the dude bit half his tongue off? No. No. Oh. I didn't watch Real World London, I'm sorry to say. That was good. I, I, yes, I'm, I'm sorry. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> I just don't know any, many other tongue biting stories. <laughs> I'm sure there are plenty out there. Uh, people, the, sl- the ShamWow was very impressive. I believed in the ShamWow. People bite their own tongues off all the time by accident. It's easy Ooh, really? to do. Yeah, if you fall. It's such a big muscle. Yeah, but you, you can chop right through it. Mm. With enough force on your lower jaw. I would have, yeah. The one thing that that's going to be interesting is as we get older, salespeople are going to care about us less. They target, oh, yeah. you know, right now millennials are targeted, but Gen Z's old enough now where they got some money and this is what a lot of the, the people are turning towards. And then you realize you're not wanted anymore because people aren't My parents, to- I remember my parents saying that, like, this isn't for us. Like, the, they're not making things for us. Like, oh, yeah. wow. Yeah, that's going to be a real... Uh, I'm going to long for the days. Why aren't the salespeople bothering me anymore? Please yeah. come back. Yeah, give me nostalgia. I want nostalgia. You're just not Where's my it. nostalgia? Gen Z nostalgia? Because we're not selling you a lifestyle anymore. It's not just mm-hmm. a product. It's a lifestyle that's being sold quite often. And right. you're too old. You got no lifestyle. You're not doing anything. Mm-mm. You're passe. We don't need you. May you may as well just be dead. Your money's going to the copper pan in the middle of the night. Yeah. This is a how second, s- a third copper pan in the next fifteen minutes. Yeah, and the fact that you always had to buy more than one. They were always so shady. There was yeah. no reason for this. And this is the practice. Like quite often, you would buy things. And there'd be some kind of subscription attached to it that you had no clue of. And then trying to end that. Oh. There was someone I I knew who bought like Wen. Remember the Wen hair products? Yes. That's not shampoo. You you bought shampoo, but oh, surprise, it's a subscription. And we're sending it to you every month. And you you try to cancel it. And it took us six months to process that. So we got six more months of payments out of you. 
And I think Wen was ripping hair out of people's heads. There, I think that there was a lawsuit against Wen. <laughs> <laughs> it's absolutely insane. Anything that was sold on TV for the most part. I don't even want the one because it's a piece of shit. And yes, you're offering me two, but it's such a great deal. How can I pass that up? Two mm-hmm. for the price of one. And the shipping and handling always was, <gasps> look, you're getting the product for $12 when it should be 180 Shipping and handling, 75 bucks. Yeah. <laughs> what the The fuck? Wonder Mop yeah. has a 80 bucks shipping and handling. <laughs> a processing fee. Oh, yeah. So Remember I, when commercials used to say no CODs? Yeah, cash on delivery. Yeah. I'm just going to pay when it shows up, which I guess at some point was a thing. Like, just answer the door with a gun. Give me my thing. <laughs> when you had, when you, yeah, when you had people, I guess, who worked for the company who bring the product directly to you. But I, this is kind of the stuff, maybe somewhere tainted my idea of sales. I didn't trust any of it because at some point, there is an untrustworthy element to selling. Uh, yeah, at some point, I think I bought something from the catalog, things you never knew existed. And not that these were supposed to be good items. They were junk. And you knew they were junk. But it was so much junkier than I thought it was going to be. Really? And I felt scammed. And that's why there's no need for that. Just sell what you're actually selling. <laughs> I think yeah, but if you're not... yeah. Th- <laughs> If, if you're a good salesperson selling a good product, it shouldn't be that difficult. But most of the no. time, it's like, I got to fool you into thinking it's better than it really is. And this is... Yeah, it turns into, like you said, like an ego-driven thing where instead of having sort of sympathy uh, for someone who is an easy target and not taking advantage of them, you see that as like, yeah, I'm going to fuck them over because they're idiots. Because at that point, it's just about making money Ultimately, though, there are some people who probably get joy out of fucking a person over. Like, yeah. Yeah. Best of both worlds. I got some cash and that person looks like a fucking fool. I have shown my superiority. I am a yep. better human than they ever were. How do you like me now, dad? <laughs> yeah, that's what it all goes back to. They weren't yeah. loved. Parents. They just needed to be loved. Every sucker out there is just a stand-in for pop. <laughs> <laughs> pop who wasn't around or the pop yeah, who treated if me pop like pop validated my emotional being a little bit more well maybe we can become better salespeople and sell this show Ugh. yeah i don't know how to do that neither do i and that's why it exists as it exists and i'm i'm fine with that me too i'm fine with it too i hope you're fine with it thanks for listening I hope we sold you on this show. Well, let's see. I'll, here's the end of the show where you try to sell your oh, friend's see? hot sauce and you <laughs> stink at it. Do you like hot sauce? I do. I know I do. Get you some delicious hot sauce from hopandpepper.com. They have many sauces to choose from, including rubs, green sauces, and barbecue, even sauces made with coffee local chattanooga coffee it's amazing go to hotandpepper.com use the code one topic 15 for 15 percent off and enjoy your life with some better hot sauce than other hot sauces hey greg hey autumn do you like hot sauce You know, I do like hot sauce, but I'm getting pretty bored of my regular Texas Peter Tabasco. I'm looking for a local sauce without Mm. any additives or extracts, a company that uses local peppers so it's as fresh as possible, and a company that really cares about the integrity of the sauce and where their ingredients come from. Definitely. And hey, while we're at it, I don't want a sauce with too many ingredients. Mm -mm. You know, a lot of other sauces out there, they have all kinds of fillers. So I'd love to find a sauce with, I don't know, what, let's say no more than five ingredients. I mean, it's crazy, but there's got to be a company out there that hand processes their sauce. You know, bottling and labeling every bottle themselves. I'm probably asking a lot. Well, you really are, but there is a hot sauce out there who only uses five ingredients. What? zero fillers, additives, or extracts, and who bottles, labels, and packages everything themselves. 
It's called Hoff Sauce. What? They're a small batch hot sauce company out of Chattanooga, Tennessee, that's won best Louisiana style sauce in the country. How many times? Not once, not twice, three times. Three times! How does that sound, Greg? I think that sounds amazing. You know how you can get your own bottle of no, hot sauce? No, no, tell me please now. Hoffandpepper.com. And not only am I giving you the gift of the best hot sauce that you'll ever taste, I'm going to give you 15% off if you use the code one topic 15 Hold on, that's... Yes, get a pen and paper. One topic 15 Good. That's O-N-E-T-O-P-I-C-1-5. All squished together at checkout. You'll get 15% off your order and your life will be better. Thank you. You're welcome. <laughs>